Welcome back into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast coming at you on Thursday. The last major of the year has kicked Already. off. And yes, I know. You know, with them, with them uh, moving the PGA quick. Championship up, it used to, it used to uh, kind of conflict with the NFL schedule, and PGA decided, let's move it up and uh, basically just own, you know, it's basic, it's been one major per month, starting with the Masters in April. And then, uh, you know, one in May, one June, and now finishing up in July. So pretty, but it, it just makes it feel like a super quick golf season, you know? Yeah, and we're under two, a month and a half now from the Tour Championship. So the golf season essentially is going to be wrapping up shortly too, at least for this year. Next year, they're going to go to a calendar year schedule like they had in the past again. But uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's that's that's quick. good news yep. just for... That's for one of the fans. new uh, Jay Monahan things that he's trying to compete with Liv. So he's trying to get... <laughs> yeah, whatever. But Good uh, luck. All right. Question of the day, Gel. I know your golf game is honed in on <laughs> playing out of the sand quite a bit. So I want to know, what would you shoot at St. Andrews? <laughs> um... I may end up just having to like putt my way around the course so that to avoid those bunkers because at St. Andrews, they are legendarily impossible to hit out. Yes. Of. Uh, if I'm playing my regular game. Oh God. Uh, do we start at, do we start the, uh, the over under at like one sixty five? <laughs> I mean, if I get in one of those bunkers, it may take me 10 shots to get out. The way some of those bunkers are like six feet tall. Yeah, yeah those pop bunkers they have. I guess, well, let's. I'm kind of going on the fly here. Do you think you'd shoot a better score at Augusta National or at St. Andrews? St. Andrews is ultimately, wide open, not prob- a lot of trees, but ultimately, probably Augusta is a lot tighter. Honestly, just because it is that link style course, which, which we, we play every year. So at least I'm familiar with that and how open it is. The only thing is just that if I get in those bunkers, I'm going to end up. But if I if I'm able to avoid the bunkers, I mean, I'm not shooting anything pretty, but it's going to be better than Augusta where I'm pretty sure about 80%. Well, shoot, 75% of my drives now end up missing the fairway. So at Augusta, <laughs> that might be closer to 90% plus percent uh where i'm and then i'm fighting trees every shot so probably saint andrews just because i could i think i could make my way around the course and it would just be the bunkers that would be the absolute killer or you could also have some of the elements that would come into play with the wind and rain that you wouldn't necessarily have at augusta either so it could it's not uh, gonna be pretty either pretty, way no. <laughs> Either way, it would not uh, not be probably. Pretty, I but, say uh, St. Andrews and just I don't <laughs> tee it up like I don't hit my tees super high anyway. So hopefully, or far for that matter. So hopefully, there would be less of a wind impact. Rain. I play in <laughs> rain every year at Michigan, anyways, at least once or twice up there. Yeah. So uh, on on that link style course, uh, on that national course. So the elements don't really matter that much to me anyways uh <laughs> i played in everything from rock from you know concrete fairways down here in texas to to <laughs> i can attest they, they are hard. can be extremely <laughs> rock hard 
all the way to rain soaked where I am like, holy hell, I bombed that drive. But then it comes down and literally sits under like almost <laughs> under the ground <laughs> in the fairway. Yeah. I'm looking for my ball and it's 30 yards back because it didn't roll at all. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to St. Andrews though. Is probably where I would shoot score a little bit better as long as I can very intentionally miss these bunkers. Yeah, and no. Same if, I, here. if I if know I know my distances, traps, if I can if I can done. know my distances and just hit short of the bunkers every time, then I'll be okay. Yeah, this is one that you'll watch this weekend at some point in time. They'll show a highlight of somebody that has to end up either hitting it backwards out of one of the traps or else uh, <laughs> hitting it sideways out. So it's they're intense. They're, so some of these are literally six, eight feet high. If not, there there's oh, some that are probably easily. higher than that, and they're just straight up and down. It's a big effing wall. It's like a it's like a New Orleans levee. You know. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Every Monday we're live on YouTube, so make sure you subscribe, click the bell. Ding! Thank you. And uh, you'll know when our episodes drop. And once the season starts, we'll get more regular with a midweek live show as well. Jell and I can be found at Das Jell. It's at D A S. J-E-L for gel. I can be found at Das JPEC. That's at D-A-S-J-P-E-C. Send us in any questions you have. We'll hit you back or answer them on our next podcast. If you want your question answered, make sure you turn into the live feed and ask a question. We will answer it there for you. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot of that review. Get you some swag sent out in the mail for free. Gel, just finish off a summer shandy there. Had to finish off the last one from the... Uh from our last recording live on 7-Eleven. So it's, it got a little warm and flat over these last couple days uh, while we were not recording. JK, we are recording live on Monday. <laughs> live on a Monday. But again, uh, so. <clears throat> yeah, had to, had to polish off this last one. I also want you guys to look at my uh, my ni- the nice cock on my cup. Nice. Is that a rooster booster? It is a rooster. <laughs> I'll show you the booster. <laughs> uh this is this is the logo of four corners brewing here in dallas uh but i will be filling that glass up with a miller light i had two left in the fridge the first one i tried to take out did the old uh knocked it on the top or knocked it on the bottom of the shelf fell into the fell down to the ground and uh thankfully i had a second one for to recover with so attaboy did uh so it's gonna be the old miller light Nice. I still on the water train recovering from the weekend, but uh, I'll shout out another beer that I had over the weekend at Summerfest from Lakefront Brewery. It's a Bumble Bear, and it was a honey brown ale, and was absolutely fantastic. That is a great name for a for a honey yes. for a honey beer, honey honey brown ale, honey brown ale. Yeah, that's a great name, and that's delicious. also I'm trying to figure out the flavors there. I mean, sounds. It was baller. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. unique. It's, it sure, certainly sounds hunt unique. That out in the store, yeah, yeah, it was different. Having uh, usually not a dark beer guy during the summertime, but for some reason, just the honey sounded refreshing, and it was, and it was pretty solid. I think it was in the five range for percent, so something you could sip on and not uh, knock your pee pee in the dirt, as Dad <laughs> would say. Classic Mick. <laughs> but yes. it normally you see like a honey wheat 
type of uh you yeah. know that that kind of a beer not necessarily a honey brown yeah or a honey lager, lager right. usually i've seen so that's yep. interesting i next time i'm in the mke the the 414 414 for you youtube viewers <laughs> uh i'll have to definitely make sure to check that out absolutely all right, I have a big show for you. Going to hit the AFC South Fantasy Preview for you, get you primed and ready for the football season just a couple weeks now away from training camp, so that is exciting. And then, uh, of course, we'll get into our Open Championship Preview with our final major draft of the season, Gel. So it's uh, coming down to that down time. To we'll get into that, that in a little bit. Going to talk about the riveting AFC South preview here. Again, like the uh, past episodes, going to tell you who we like, dislike, and then give you some top three draft targets that uh, each of us are targeting. We'll kick it off with uh, one of the relevant teams that uh, we want to talk about here, and that is the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, number one pick in the draft, more than likely. Obviously, I'm in on him this year. Michael Pittman Jr., from USC. There you go. Nailed it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm in on him too. Had a fantastic year last year. Don't really see much of a drop off from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. Maybe a little bit of an improvement there. Not in on Matt Ryan at all, but I think it uh, shouldn't affect Michael Pittman Jr. too much. And then the only other one I wanted to talk um, about is where are you sitting with Alec Pierce? Alec Pierce is kind of intriguing to me, taken a little bit later on in your draft is kind of that flyer spot. Matt Ryan, obviously, in his prime, was able to support <laughs> two wide receivers down in Atlanta, but definitely not the Matt Ryan of old. Do you think he still has enough in the tank for two wide receivers, or what uh, What are your thoughts there? My only thing, is, like, so we've seen – Matt Ryan with Calvin Ridley and Calvin's rookie year was awesome. So I don't think that there's going to be an issue in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of him with another rookie, he's just, you know, veteran quarterback actually really likes to work with his, with his young squad. Unlike Mm Mr. Mr. Rogers neighborhood over there that apparently likes to ignore his rookies. Uh, So Matt Ryan's, (laughs) uh, this is one of the, quarterbacks I think that one of the better situations for Alec Pierce to jump into he's also a second round pick so it's not like we're looking at a a fourth fifth rounder here we're looking at a second round pick who put up some really sweet numbers at at Cincinnati pretty prototypical size for a receiver 6'3 210 I mean that's 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 about what you want in a receiver ran a 4'4 so not lacking speed either quick so I, I think, you know, there, there's a there's definitely a lot to like here with Alec Pierce. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm a little bit surprised he did end up going in the second round, but Colts are obviously a wide receiver needy team, given that Michael Pittman is was really their only skill position player of note outside of Jonathan Taylor. So I I guess I like the pick. It's a little high for me, but got a look. I don't know another quarterback that, I mean, obviously there's other quarterbacks that you'd rather have him with than Matt Ryan, just skill set wise. But just the fact that we've seen Matt Ryan do it with Calvin Ridley makes, gives me a little bit of confidence that Pierce can also be a relevant player for Matt Ryan. How high do I take him? I mean, it's always kind of a crapshoot with rookie wide receivers, but where do I rank him? I mean, I, I certainly rank him for at least in redraft uh, this season. 
I've got him higher than Christian Watson. I may, I probably have him a little bit higher than Jahan Dotson as well, just given the quarterback, uh, just given the quarterback situation of Matt Ryan. I'm all, I'm taking Matt Ryan over Carson Wentz this season, as did Indy. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I've got, I guess I've got Pierce probably ranked as uh, maybe my wide receiver five at this point uh, going going into this season amongst rookies. Nice. No, that's kind of in right now. He's pretty much going undrafted. I mean, that obviously a training camp can boost him up, but somebody you can definitely take in the later round of your draft that could end up being uh, beneficial. You could plug in on uh, in your flex spot a few weeks here and there. So uh, any, obviously Jack Doyle retired this off season, any oh. interest in Mo Alley Cox? I'm not, I mean, what we saw out of him, what we saw out of him last year is what we're going to see out of him this year, which is, Backup tight end at best. Somebody that I don't necessarily want to roster, <laughs> stream him on by on a bye week. That's that's where I see Mo Alley Cox. If there's not any other better options, that's but hopefully you have a better tight end for the other seventeen weeks of the season. <laughs> right. If not, that's an issue. Any any interest in any of like Naheem Hines, Paris Campbell, or another ones that have kind of popped up on teams in the past couple years, but see any relevance for them at all? I mean, Naheem Hines isn't somebody that if Jonathan Taylor goes down, he's not getting the bulk of the carries, Naheem Hines. So he's not really somebody that is a handcuff, I would say, for Jonathan Taylor. But any interest in him in PPR, he's been known to catch some passes out of the backfield here and there, but it's been I'm, the Jonathan it's, Taylor show. It's last still just year. a sprinkling of opportunities that Hines gets. Uh, so, speaking of Hines, by the way, the uh, the Steelers are yeah, renaming their stadium that. from Hines Field to some other company I've never heard of. But uh, yeah, also speaking of Hines, uh, hashtag not a sponsor. But <laughs> no, I, I really don't have much. Could be. You got money to throw around now that you're not. Yeah, the, yeah. It sounds like you got money to stadium. <laughs> I guess I, you know, Heinz is going is in that category with some of these other third down receiving backs amongst Kenneth Gainwell, J.D. McKissick. Where do you have him amongst those two guys? I think I'd rather have J.D. McKissick and, and Kenneth Gainwell. I yeah, think so probably. too. So if yeah. you're looking for a PPR potential guy to sit on your bench until a bye week situation. That's gonna be your. That's gonna be the only time that I would consider drafting Hines. I'd rather not draft him and see how production goes the first part of the season, and then maybe pick him up. But like you said, he's not really a. He's not your handcuff type of running back. Where if JT were to go down, it's not gonna like. It's not gonna be where. Hines completely takes over that backfield. Uh, just sticking in that running back room, is Jonathan Taylor the easiest number one overall pick we've had in years? Because I think it's about as obvious as it can get, for me at least, with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, outside of two years ago, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was coming off just okay. an absolute but monster But so was Saquon year, as well. So there could be, there was a... I mean, you you would go yeah. CMC there, but Saquon was also sitting right but there. But no, I mean, this is well, and it's tough too because if CMC plays a full season, he is going to top Jonathan Taylor just with how much rush uh, rushing and passing work he gets. True. So, but it's just he 
is he going to stay healthy? I mean, we haven't seen him play a full season now in a couple of years. So that knocks him down my board a little bit. Derrick Henry, you're wondering if all the wear and tear is finally wearing him down. And Delvin Cook is somebody that he's kind of slipped a little bit too, can't stay healthy. So Jonathan Taylor's, yeah, for me, easy number one and should be in all drafts. What kind of a jump do you, or, or I should say, do you see Michael Pittman taking a, you know, we saw him take a pretty significant jump last year from year one. Do you see him taking another jump and where he could start leapfrogging somebody like a like a Terry McLaurin? Yeah, I think so. I think right now I would probably put Michael Pittman in front of Terry McLaurin, at least for me, where I would want to draft. I think Pittman is somebody that could definitely wide receiver two, but could get into that borderline wide receiver one. He's just kind of been improving improving year after year so far and like you said with Matt Ryan coming in this could be the best quarterback he's had throwing him how the ball. sad I is mean, that Phillip Rivers That's crazy yeah Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz and I would say Matt Ryan's probably in a better spot than those two guys I mean Philip Rivers was okay but he couldn't get the ball down the field at all and was at the tail end of his career. So, yeah, I guess this is probably the best quarterback he's had since he's come into the league. So, yeah, I expect him to improve on his numbers from last year and be a solid wide receiver, too, with potential wide receiver. And I believe Pittman had Sam Darnold throwing in the ball at USC. So, best quarterback (laughs) he's ever had, I guess. Garsh. Gar. Gar. Peter. Shout out to Dodgeball. Hashtag not a sponsor. But could be. <laughs> <laughs> All what right, up, Vince? Joe, what team you want to jump to next? I'll kick it over to you. <laughs> I guess let's go. Let's jump over to the Titans. And, you know, I'll, I'm just going to kick it off right here. Is this is, is Derrick Henry the obvious number two pick? Or do you see or do you have a preference with McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Amari Cooper, or not Amari Cooper, Jesus, uh, Cooper Cup <laughs> over over Derrick Henry uh, as as somebody that should be the favorite as the number two pick over Derrick Henry. Yeah, this is where it kind of gets dicey because Derrick Henry, I could see somebody taking him as a, the second person off the board and I'd have no problem with it. I could also see him going in the third spot, see him going in the fourth spot. If you're in a PPR league, he's not going to do you any good. He's not catching balls very often out of the backfield where Cooper Cup might end up jumping him there. Obviously, like I said with what Jonathan Taylor talked to, Christian McCaffrey, if he plays a full season, will finish as a running back one on the season. But Derrick Henry has been a safer play, more consistent outside of his big injury that he had last year but I, I, I guess you it's know, tough the one that kind of intrigues me a little bit is Austin Eckler there's going to be a great offense there in um, Los Angeles for him on the Chargers it catches a lot of balls out of the backfield really doesn't come off the field at all either so but I don't Derrick Henry's just been just absolute monster that can win you weeks when he's healthy and he really hasn't had any other injury concerns outside of last year but again is this the time where he's going to start dropping off now? and even when he came back last year post-injury didn't look good. not <laughs> the same guy so probably needed a full off season and or hopefully the full off season helps him but he is that bruising type of running back 
that maybe this full off season is going to help him, but obviously wear and tear at some point. I mean, it happens with everybody. We've seen it with, I mean, Adrian Peterson first year off that ACL looked abs. I mean, he returned to the back that he was, but it wasn't that long after that, after he took all that bruising work and he's the best running back of my life that I've at least, you know, in terms of just pure running back that I, you know, or at least since I started paying attention to football, Derrick Henry's that same type of back where it's just bruising and at some point it's going to catch up to you. So CMC as that number two pick, you're taking a risk, but the upside is obvious. Austin Eckler might be the safer number two overall pick over Henry. Yeah. Yep. Especially if you're talking PPR, even half point. Where are you in the wide receiver room here? Traylon Burks obviously coming in, first-round pick there, and then Robert Woods coming over from Los Angeles, coming off of the big injury. So he's probably not going to be playing, I wouldn't imagine, right off the bat, probably in that Michael Gallup situation there where it's going to be towards the beginning to middle of the season where you'll fully see him out on the field running around. But do you you in on either of those guys? Uh, Yeah. Out. I mean, I'm personally. I like Traylon Burks a lot. I'm. I'm in on Traylon Burks, but I'm. I'm out on Robert Woods. I think this year. I'm certainly not out on Robert Woods. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's gonna be. You like you said, you might not get him right away to start the season, but I think that his time in L.A. with the Rams, you knew as much as as much as there was a little bit of doubt with him almost every season he still kept putting up points he still kept putting you know being a very productive bat or uh, receiver so I'm certainly not out on Robert Woods Traylon Burks though is the guy that you can take with the upside and I I've said this on on shows before he was my number two wide receiver in this draft behind Garrett Wilson I had him ahead of Drake London, ahead of Olave. I think that the Titans got a mad steal, and it made me understand why they made that that A.J. Brown trade. They're they're a pretty similar type of player, similar skill set, similar size, similar athleticism. A.J. Brown came into the NFL as maybe not the most polished receiver ever, as... Traylon Burks also maybe not the most polished receiver, but athleticism ultimately ends up taking over. My only downside, the only downside for me with Traylon Burks is what is how high can he fly with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback? Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that gives me a little bit of a question mark with Burks because I think Robert Woods is going to be more of your you know, between the between the twenties kind of guy. Although although Burks is an awesome downfield threat as well. It's just it's just it comes down to what kind of an impact is Tannehill gonna make in a negative way or po- or potentially positive way, but <laughs> I don't have that much faith in Tannehill after what we just saw out of him in that playoff game against the Bengals when Joe Burrow was sacked nine times and Tannehill still couldn't win that game against the, against Cincinnati. That's <laughs> insane. Because he threw yeah. three picks. He admitted Tannehill admitted in the offseason he had to go to therapy because of that performance. It aided him that much. 
So you have to imagine his confidence is at an all-time low. Is he going to be is he going to be uh you know a little bit slower with the release, a little bit less confident in making these passes, a little bit you know less gunslingerish type which we've seen some positive things out of Tannehill with his time in Cincinnati, but if his cons- if his confidence is still at a true all-time low, that's obviously not what you can have in a quarterback. So I think that's the only thing that limits Traylon Burke's hype or his, you know, where he can eventually get, but I would take him over Robert Woods going into this season as just just knowing that there is the there is the physical upside with Traylon Yeah, I think that's why I'm out on Robert Woods is just with Ryan Tannehill. I just, like you said, I think you're going to see a downside in him this year. He's somebody that you could get fairly late in your draft the last couple years and plug in as a quarterback for each week, and you were fine with him. I mean, he didn't lose you a ton of weeks, but I just see some lack of production from him this year. And then it concerns me with Robert Woods going to be missing training camp, missing some games. He's on a new team, hasn't played with Ryan Tannehill before, so he doesn't have that rapport. It's not like him tearing his ACL and then coming back and being with Stafford where he was there, Jared Goff in years past, or he doesn't have that rapport with the quarterback where Traylon Burks is getting that rapport during training camp and early on in the season. So I think him and Ryan Tannehill kind of be on the same page there, and it might limit Robert Woods, his upside at least, for not being there at the start of training camp. Okay, so I'm looking at a list. This is coming from fantasypros.com. This is I'm just going to name four rookies and I want you to tell me how you would rank them. Drake London, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Those are the top 4 receivers that came off the board. How would you think just Snap of the finger. What's your what's your gut reaction on those four guys? What order do you put them in? Um, I would say, man. <laughs> Snap of the finger. Gut reaction. I would say Olave, Burks, London, Wilson. Just because I Olave, I think is going to end up stepping in, and we know that Jameis likes to sling the ball around. So I I really like Chris Olave quite a bit this year. Um, Burks, like I said, with Robert Woods out, I think he's going to be a heavy target from Ryan Tannehill early on in the season, get, get going right off of the bat. Drake London is the only wide receiver there. Yeah, I've got Kyle Pitts, but I think just for lack of other guys there, he's going to be getting quite a bit. And then I just, I still am not sure on the MILF hunter, Zach Wilson, <laughs> what he's going to do this year. So I just, uh, MILF hunter, I, I love know. it. <laughs> I saw that somewhere today and just died. What was laughing, it? Uh, so. What was the, uh, the shirt uh, courtesy of Barstool? Throwing bombs, oh. banging moms. Moms, Zach yeah. Wilson, at a boy. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what we reference, there was uh, some beef from an ex-girlfriend of his that said he was uh, sleeping with his best friends or his mom's best friend. So, uh, yeah, allegedly, slinging, allegedly. <laughs> slinging, his, you know, shit around. <laughs> yeah. So, what about what about you? Where would you? rank those guys so i read it in the order that fantasy pros has them ranked london burks 
Wilson, Alave. I think I'm. I think I. I think I'm. I think I have probably the same order that you do, where I like Alave more than those other three guys. I probably go Burks too. London three, just because there's going to be the opportunity. Although I don't love, I like Garrett Wilson a lot more as a pro, of a prospect or as a prospect yes, than Drake 100%. London. No question about it. Yep. But London, you know, is going to have the opportunity. Wilson's also got Elijah Moore to compete with, and and they did bring in uh, that the tight end from Cincinnati, uh, Usoma. That we struggled with all last season to try to figure out how to freaking spell or how to say his last name, but Usoma. I think we got him. They also brought over, uh, was it Conklin? I think Conklin, too, from Minnesota. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So if Zach, hey, can he sling it around the field the way he can sling it around in the bedroom? We'll see. Uh, getting back to the Titans, just one last thing, and this is a dynasty-related question: Malik Willis, draftable, third round. He was a third-round pick. Looked like, but there was potential and talks about him being, you know, a first-round pick. Obviously, if he was a first-rounder, he would be. You would draft him in dynasty. There is a lot of fantasy potential given his athleticism. Ultimately, it's going to come down to. When is he going to play? Or is he going to play? Because maybe a lot of times third-round picks don't end up being anything. We've seen that with a number of guys. Brian Brom, for example. Mm. Packer from like the... He was drafted shit a long time ago. Uh, But point (laughs) is, uh, a lot of times third-round picks don't end up amounting to anything. Do you see... Malik Willis being draftable. If so, where do you want to take him? If you're, if you had him in college, I would assume you're going to roster him or, 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 or do you take a, uh, do you take a risk and drop him? Because maybe you think he's never going to play. I think he's worth having on a roster. I don't think he's going to necessarily play this year at all. Ryan Tannehill's locked into that spot outside of him, just obviously getting hurt or, just absolutely shitting the bed, but I don't see Malik Willis. Maybe have a couple design plays drawn up for him, show off some of his athleticism, but I think he's worth a roster. As far as if it was a like a start-up dynasty draft and single quarterback, I think maybe a flyer at the end of the draft if he's on there. But otherwise, if you're in just a normal draft, a rookie draft, Probably the late second, early third round. Maybe more comfortable with him in the third round, I think. So, I don't know. It's it's tough, but he's definitely worth being on a roster. So, where where do you see him gel? Um, I, like I said, I see it if you're in um, just a rookie draft, late second, more comfortable in the third round. Otherwise, startup dynasty flyer at the I end. I think I'm probably, I'm probably in that exact same spot it's 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 tough projecting any sort of rookies i i guess i I don't have an issue with with any of that because i think they'll put him in for some sort of design plays and have something drawn up for him here and there but not obviously anything fantasy relevant but i i just i don't know when he's gonna see the field i don't know ryan Tannehill's contract situation off the top of my head i know he signed an extension a couple years back but i just I, he's not going to 
<laughs> Malik Willis isn't going to see the field this year for at least significant yeah, I mean, amount of time. You, after this season, it's it's expensive. I mean, it's an $18 million cap hit if they were to just outright release Ryan Tannehill after this season. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> He could be somebody too, though. If he bounces back and has a semi-decent year, you maybe trade him away if you think Malik Willis has something similar so, to the similar to a trade Lance take on that contract situation mm-hmm. Tannehill's yep. scary old he's 34 I didn't mm-hmm. I don't know I don't think of him as like you know being in the league for that long no. but maybe it's because he was so irrelevant in Miami for the six years that he was there yeah. that you don't think of him as a 34 year old uh but I guess it, you know, it's it's time for the Titans to figure out a a contingency plan. So the dra- the drafting of Malik Willis for them makes sense, especially as a third rounder. Like no no question. Yep. All right, let's move uh, move down to the south a little bit farther south than you, Joe, and the Houston. And I've got not only Texas but the entire <laughs> freaking country. Not a fan of Houston as a. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to any 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 Houston, Houston natives out there, but good God, I'm glad I don't live there. <laughs> I've got two guys that are that I like, and it's eh, not super like. I would say that I they're okay, but uh, Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks is always Mister Consistent, and I don't see that changing at all. Davis Mills was fine last year; he was serviceable and. We'll see what happens this year. It's kind of, I think, his still tryout because I expect Houston to be up in that top five of the draft next year, and there's some solid quarterbacks that are going to be coming out. So this is kind of his prove-it year and see what they can go do from there. And then the other guy I like is uh, Damian Pierce, if he can win that running back spot for fantasy. I think he's somebody... Um, I'll just say it right now. It's just for lack of it and not having to jump back to him, but he's in my top three guys I would take. He's going right now in the 13th round, the fifth pick. So that's absolutely phenomenal for somebody that could potentially be a starting running back to get that late in the draft. But again, keep an eye, keep an eye on training camp because if he doesn't win that job, I am completely out on Houston's backfield outside of him. Well, you're not going to, you're not gonna go balls deep on sleepers' favorite Marlon Mack. But what about so Marlon the, Mack? Just the word. It makes me hate Marlon Mack. It makes me make sure that I don't draft him. For any of you guys, I, I know Josh has plugged speaker before, uh, sleeper before, but if you do download that app, it's a great it's a great fantasy tool, but. Do not even worry about visiting the chat section because it's just flooded with how does this affect Marlon Mack? <laughs> Literally every time. Most annoying posted. thing ever about any app that I have potentially. Uh, I mean, do you? Okay, so I agree with you on Damian Pierce. He's the only back I would like to. I would like to own if I own any of those backs. Burkhead, sorry, not making the cut for me. Uh, do you see any sort of? <laughs> Do you see any sort of jump here out of Davis Mills? I mean, we're in year two. You could make I. It's pretty. You could definitely have made the argument that if he would have stuck around one more season at Stanford, he could have been that he that he would have been. I think, or at least could have been the top quarterback picked in this draft over Kenny Pickett. 
given how the rest of that, the QB, the whole QB room ended up shaking out. Now that he's got one year in the league himself under his belt, do you see year two him making a jump? Because sometimes we see sophomore slumps. Other times we see year two, there's a there's a jump in production. I just don't know if he's got the pieces around him to make that jump. He's got a lot of young talent around him. He's got, obviously, Brandon Cooks is not a young talent, but he's a good wide receiver and somebody that can be his safety blanket. But Nico Collins is there last year. He's got another year under him. Uh, John Mechie went there, uh, wide receiver, Alabama. But Brevin Jordan, even at tight end, is pretty talented and he was there last year but didn't get a ton of playing time so it's a lot of unproven guys that are there that I don't know that that talent is going to get him to taking a huge step up I see him having a similar season to last year maybe a little bit of an uptick but not somebody I'm looking to draft or roster on my fantasy you mentioned uh, Nico Collins I think, like, yes, he is only going into year two, but so are guys like uh, Deami Brown, and so is uh, Frick. Who's that guy in Seattle? Uh, Dwayne. Oh, uh, yeah. No. Ah, Dwayne. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, what's his name? Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, Eskridge. Dwayne Eskridge. And those guys made no impact, and I don't see really any future for either of those two, at least based on what we saw this or this no. past season. We didn't see we also didn't really see Jack shit out of Nico Collins this last season. Am I being hyperbolic and saying I'm out on Nico Collins too? Because I'm out on those other two guys that were drafted ahead of Nico. Yeah, no, I'm not rostering Nico at all or yeah, anything okay. like that. So that's good. I mean, no. John Mechie, we're going to have no. to see. He's coming off that injury at uh, from from Alabama, so that's yeah. kind of a wild card, too. Yeah, redraft, Pro- yeah. redraft no. I mean, he's somebody a flyer later in your draft if you want to for Dynasty, but, yeah, no, redraft, stay away. I don't have anything else on the Texans. I mean, it's <laughs> very, very limited potential fantasy-wise for, for this squad. I do actually <laughs> like what they did in the draft, but it's mostly – defensive pieces and and trying to bolster that offensive line. But obviously getting Derek Stingley potentially could be the best corner in this draft. It's between him and sauce Gardner. So I do, I do like that, but not fantasy relevant. So I don't have anything more on the Texans fantasy wise, basically avoid, avoid Houston as you outside of Brandon cooks, as you probably did last year. Speaking of avoiding, we're moving on to Jacksonville Jaguars here. And uh, I think the only one that maybe for me is Travis Etienne. But again, he's coming off of a Liz Frank injury this last year. So that is very scary. But uh, yeah, that's about it. James Robinson has that Achilles injury that he suffered late in the season. So Travis Etienne is going to be their starter and obviously he's got the rapport with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence I'm out on and... I'm out on any of the Jags' mediocre wide receivers that they signed to. So <laughs> there's not not a lot cooking in Jacksonville for me. Again, I, I like what they did, at least in the draft on defense. They definitely bolstered that up. But 
similar to the Chicago Bears, they didn't do a lot this offseason to get Trevor Lawrence talent around him, and I think you're going to see that uh, limiting him again this season. I have to just... I'm clearly a lot higher on Trevor Lawrence than you are. I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence is QB1, not even close, but I think absolutely rosterable. Number one pick, you know, last year... Has been had been the number one recruit, had been really he was the number one quarterback prospect coming into the draft since Andrew Luck. He's got he's now out of that Urban Meyer disaster, and Doug Peterson comes in. Doug Peterson, when Peterson was there in Philly, he made Wentz an MVP candidate pre injury, and they finished that season with Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl. And Nick Foles threw for over 500 yards in that Super Bowl. I think Doug Peterson, I don't know if he's got a magic wand, but I think he's a good quarterback coach. He is. He had been a quarterback, a backup quarterback, but still a quarterback in the league for a while. Was a Packer, by the way, just a, you know, for, for those of yep. you that didn't know. Behind for old Favre. Mr., uh, yeah, Mr. Favre. So... I'm not saying I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence. I want him as my QB one, but he's certainly QB two slash super flex starter for me. Super, yeah. I mean, he's going to be on somebody's roster as their second quarterback. I'm not taking him and not in at all on quarterback one, like you said. But he's somebody if he's sitting there later in the draft, I could see throwing on because it does have some upside. But I just. I don't know how much upside there is unless he starts running quite a bit, which we didn't see a ton out of him last year for from him running. We did the see though we ball. did see that though but at Clemson. Just, where he was a where he was a yes, very good. No, and runner. that's what it was Yeah, which was surprising that they didn't utilize that last year. But I just don't I don't know. Christian Kirk, I mean he's I, that's their wide receiver one going into the season. I just I don't think he's got the talent there to put up numbers that are gonna launch him into being able to start for fantasy outside of a bye week. Yeah, speaking just, of speaking of Christian Kirk and just that wide receiver room in general, I mean, are you buying into that bloated contract that Kirk has at all? No. No. That's not at all. I just you'd see flashes at time from him in Arizona and granted he was never the wide receiver one in Arizona, but I just no, I I don't. That was a contract that I think we all were just shocked at the amount of money that they threw his way. He really set the market. He set the market. And then Mike Williams (laughs) reset the market with his four-year $80 million. And then you saw the trickle-down effect to all the top receivers needing going going out and getting their cash once they saw those two deals. All the wide receivers, yeah, all the wide receivers that got cash this year are all sending. Uh, yeah, get those edible arrangements on the way. To, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hashtag not a sponsor. One last thing <laughs> on that ride, wide receiver room, LaVisca Chenault, are you out? Please tell me yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No, I was, he was one, he was intriguing his rookie year just because he was kind of that like Debo Samuel role where he could, he can go out and catch and then they'd run other plays with him as a featured running um, featured in the run game, I guess, too, with different plays, but no, I'm good. I'm out on the uh, so I guess <laughs> <laughs> wrap up for me, 
Two questions. Is this the worst division for fantasy in the league? I mean, we did establish on last week's episode that I think it's pretty much like at least we agree the Patriots are the worst team. But outside of JT, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, the rest of this division is a total crapshoot. And my follow-up question to that is, should we just relegate this entire division to London? Let them all follow Jacksonville and let them all be on the other side of the <laughs> pond because this is this is pathetic. Yeah, I don't. The Colts, I think, are going to be fine. I think they'll crack the. Well, playoffs somebody has series, to crack so the playoffs. Everybody else over there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's not saying much. <laughs> but I think they'll. I think they'll dethrone. Uh, <laughs> they'll deep throw what Tennessee this year, but oh. dethrone. Dethrone. She's <laughs> daydreaming about Mo <laughs> Alley Cox or what? <laughs> but no, this is by far, I think, the worst division for fantasy. There's not a ton here outside. Like you said, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, those guys are going at the beginning of your draft. So I didn't put them down as draft targets because <laughs> you're not really yeah. targeting them. You're just, oh, I lucked out and got the top one of the top picks in my draft just so I can draft them. But guys I do like, right now Michael Pittman Jr. is going at the 408 spot, which I think is awesome to get him in the fourth round to have that potential high wide receiver two, low wide receiver one potential there and then i'd already mentioned damian pierce if he wins that battle his adp is going to go up though so hopefully your drafts earlier on you can take him as a flyer later on and then again brandon cooks just kind of by default but he's going in the back of the fifth round sixth round where he's somebody at that point in time you're drafting him as a wide receiver three maybe your wide receiver two but he's got a pretty solid floor where he's gonna have six catches 80 yards maybe he'll have a touchdown every couple weeks so it's pretty safe for a flex some, spot, some safe think, production out of him there. uh my top three guys and i'm not gonna hit any of the names that you just did but as i said i'm a lot higher on trevor lawrence than than i know you are uh i do really see a year two jump which is still questionable with Davis Mills, given his his coaching staff is led by Lovey Smith, not exactly known as a QB whisperer. <laughs> uh, sorry, sexy Rexy. Uh, <laughs> hey, Kyle or, 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 relevant or, or, for uh, a little bit. <laughs> so I do see a pretty, I do see a nice jump out of him. Where last year he was effectively unrosterable, but I see, I see some potential out of Trevor Lawrence jumping up into maybe. Top 15 is probably a little bit of a stretch, but maybe hovering 15, 18-ish, where last year he was deep into the 20s. Uh, number two guy that I think you can target and and a guy that we did not touch on is Marvin Jones. Because I do see, because I am not a Christian Kirk believer, I'm out on LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones is, I think, the best receiver within that, uh, within the Jags receiver room. And we've seen him, we've seen him have some productive years his last year with Detroit, Pretty pretty damn solid, honestly. I mean, I I had him that year, and I started him in a playoff game. I don't think I won. I don't think I won that Playoffs. playoff week, but <laughs> he was a starter <laughs> for a playoff team that that year. Number three, and this is gonna be maybe somebody that you don't need to that you. I'm gonna suggest you do not draft. But if you are a Derrick Henry owner, keep an eye on Hassan Haskins. As a uh, as a handcuff to Derrick Henry, 
Former Wolverine, Former Michigan man, fourth round pick. Again, you know, I mean, he he was quite productive at Michigan. Had some breakout games last year. Overall, decent running back. Again, fourth round pick, handoff or handcuff option as also a handoff option. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey yo, nice. Uh, but I'm not I'm not saying I'm necessarily going to draft him. But if you are a Derrick Henry owner. Hit that uh, hit that watch list button and keep an eye on him. And uh, you know if you see that he's starting to get work as the Titans' number two back, might be worth grabbing him off waivers at some point throughout the year. And j- just just for as an insurance policy for Derrick Henry. No, I like that. Definitely somebody uh, just a flyer to hang on to. Like you said, especially if you have Derrick Henry. So. All right, Joe, anything else of the uh, atrocious AFC Atrocious South is the name of the game. A... <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's get into the main event here. The reason what uh, why we're releasing on Thursday here, the Open Championship, the 150th edition of the Open Championship at the home of golf in St. Andrews, the old course. So one of the iconic and most prestigious courses in the entire world and like you touched on gel you got those pot bunkers all over the place uh fun fact the course originally was laid out in reverse so the greens are the tee boxes tee boxes green wow. so you could see the sand traps from the tee box the old format but now so when they switched it over a long time ago that's why you can't see all of the traps and they're hidden because of yeah that uh that sounds great <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Oof. i can just imagine standing up on a tee box and hitting like just a beautiful tee shot and then all of a sudden you see the ball like bounce and just once gone. and then disappear yeah, and, and you like, and you know Shit. your fate <laughs> yep yep your caddy's just sitting there <laughs> laughing at you like you're Best fucked, of luck, buddy. Bud. <laughs> Yes. Before we get into uh, the tournament, uh, Kyle Morikawa won last year. He's the defending champ. Uh, Obviously, this is one that's like a PGA championship, like the U.S. Open. It rotates around uh, different courses. So it hasn't been at St. Andrews. I believe the last year was like 2014, 2015, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, so it hasn't been there in a few years. But wanted to jump into some PGA news here. Had uh, PGA is under investigation by the Department of Justice due to them not giving live golfers what is it live golfers aren't getting world ranking points for their wins so they're kind of under investigation there for uh and it's it's uh, it's an anti there the uh, anti competition i don't know i don't have the exact verbiage in front of me but you know it's effectively an anti competition uh investigation where which the PGA said that they expected something like this to go down. The Department of Justice actually went through a, or the PGA went through a similar investigation back in 1994. Also, when Greg Norman uh, tried to start up a separate league and ended up creating the World Golf Championships, the WGC, and the PGA basically just like swallowed the WGC up. And you see, there's there's WGC events annually, uh, you know, all over the place. So. Uh, you know, the PGA said that this was not unexpected because, you know, I mean, they, they're they're aware of the potential legal threat. And if they were thinking that there would be no chance of this, 
they would be, I mean, as oblivious as possible. So they're going to have probably a very similar to de- similar defense as they did back in the 90s. However, the difference is the money is way different now than it was in the 90s. Yeah. And this isn't just some bullshit startup league. The Live Golf is not, is not, it didn't work before. The, the, the previous Greg Norman attempt did not work before. This is a whole new ball game. So Jay Monahan better be ready. Him and his team, they better be ready to fight because we're seeing, we, we discussed this in one of last week's episode, but money in sports is changing every sport out there. And I mean, the NCAA is dealing, dealing with it now. PGA, who knows what sports next uh, TV contracts are changing. Everything. YouTube is changing everything, which is who is the one brought YouTube is the one that broadcasts these live events. So there's a lot more, there's a lot more at play here that the PGA is going to have to fight versus what they did back in the nineties. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, this will, I'd imagine that this is going to be a lot longer of a legal battle than the last one. Uh, the one back in the nineties, that investigation started in 94 and it was pretty much wrapped up in 1995. I can't imagine this one wraps up within a year if if they're doing a true, true investigation and dealing with lawsuits. So, Monahan, get your best guys on the team if you expect to be able to hold these golfers to the same rules that you have been over the last few decades. Yep. You touched on Greg Norman. The Open Championship did not invite him to the Champions Dinner at all. They didn't really want him at the tournament at all. Just said that because it's the 150th edition of the Open Championship, they didn't want the distraction. So they just figured that they wouldn't invite him and said that they'd look at inviting him again down the road. But uh, yeah, pretty strong uh, take there from the Open Championship. And I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily blame them because, you know, obviously it's going to be all live, live, live. And we haven't really had any Tiger news conferences either with the live. And we'll probably get one of those here coming up too and see what some of his words, because you know that everybody's going to be asking and trying to get his take on that as well. But you don't want the the open championship to have that cloud over it and have it just be all about the live and that. So they want to be celebrating the 150th edition of it at the one of the most. Yeah, I think just with how prestigious this event on a year to year basis, the open championship is obviously one of the more one of the four most prestigious events in golf. But given that it's the 150th and they're playing it at the first, you know, at the old course. It doesn't shock me that they're saying, "Look, Greg, we we know you. He's he's won it before. He's not invited to the Champions Dinner because they just don't want it." And hopefully, hopefully, Greg Norman is being a being a being a good guy about it and not making too much of a stink because, yeah. you know, th- this 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 tournament in particular just <clears throat> doesn't doesn't deserve that kind of distraction. All right, back to the golf. Uh, pretty much every big name is playing in this one, so quite the field from the European Tour, American Tour, PGA Tour. Live golfers are at this one too, so get to see uh, everybody out there trying to win the last major of the season. Any uh, golfers you are pretty high on, you're fading gel, and any uh, any betting tips for those out there wanting to win some cash? Since you a hot are streak, on a hot one streak. for my last one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hell yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to hit the top guys really quick uh, for, for odds to win it. Uh, opens up with Rory at 10 to 1. Xander Shoffley, who's been obviously, as discussed on the last episode, on a tear, uh, 14 to 1. John Rahm, 16 to 1. Speeth as well at 16 to 1. Matt Fitzpatrick, after getting his, uh, his victory at, what was that, three weeks ago now? The country club, US Open, now. US Open yep, yeah, it was a uh, week. Uh, third yep, there weekend, you go at eighteen to one, and then Scotty Scheffler, one of the hotter players at eighteen at eighteen to one. Uh, last year's winner, Colin Morikawa, twenty five to one, and Sam Burns, one of the names that we've kind of focused on quite a bit this year. Number two in the FedEx Cup standings is at forty to one. So some pretty good odds, I think, on Sam Burns here. Uh, as far as these, some of these live golfers go, starts out with Dustin Johnson. He's got the best odds at thirty-three to one, followed by Brooks Kepka at forty-five to one. Bryson DeChambeau ninety to one. He's not had a. I mean, it's been a while since he's been extremely relevant in terms of being at the top of the leaderboard. So that's why you're seeing those odds as as long as they are at ninety to one. But so you're seeing mostly PGA, uh, mostly PGA players. Uh, at the top, but you do still have DJ sneaking in there at 33 to one to have a chance to win this. Three other names that I want to run off here: uh, Tiger, 80 to one, so shorter odds than DeChambeau to win it. Phil Mickelson, 250 to one. <laughs> and one last name here: John Daly. Two plus two hundred thousand. Twenty two thousand to one. So <laughs> hey, if you wanna if you wanna try to cash on John Daly, be my guest. <laughs> but nice. Yeah. I think they should have betting odds if he's That's actually gonna finish the <laughs> Those are probably shorter odds. <laughs> uh one of my long shots that I actually do like to at least have a chance to compete here uh is is Max Homa. Uh he's at eighty to one odds. Tied last week at uh, T16 at the Scottish Open. He played 36... Fun fact, he played 36 holes before his round on Saturday. And he shot a 66 Saturday. So, if he gets in his prep work and he can keep that rolling... He didn't... Again, he finished T16, so not great. Or, but, you know, not terrible. Thanks to that Saturday, finishing four under. Uh but he is a top ten. He is top ten in the FedEx Cup rankings, so I do like him here. Tied for fifth at the Memorial, he won the Wells Fargo a ways back. Eighty to one odds. I do like that uh, as as a potential player to win this. One guy that I definitely am looking to fade, though, Justin Thomas. He's right now at plus two thousand twenty to one odds. He withdrew a couple weeks back at the Travelers. And with with a back injury, this past week, he missed the cut and finished 10 over. So that's somebody that I, you know, he does have really short odds at 20 to 1. I'm not even touching. I'm not even touching Justin Thomas to win. The other thing, too, last five at the oh. British, tied for 50, or finished at 53rd. Missed the cut twice, finished at 11th, and last year finished 40th. So hasn't really sniffed, uh, hasn't really sniffed that top five at all. 
No, oh, yeah, that's that's a good point, and yeah, not uh, not great last week. Probably got over to St. Andrews a little bit earlier uh, to get some practice really it. in with uh, not being able but to. But I don't the know weekend, if that that back but, injury uh, no had to affect him last week, and he's also said he generally doesn't play that well at Lynx courses. So you see the name; it looks intriguing, but he says he doesn't he doesn't really play that well at Lynx courses, and. Then we and plus he's got a back injury. That's a recipe for trouble. So you like the name, don't like him this week. Yep. All right, Joe, you ready Let's for Let's go, baby. All right. So how this works, every major tournament so far, Jell and I have each picked five golfers, snake draft style. And once you use a golfer in a tournament, you cannot use them again. Um so I'm not running off all 15 picks of each of us. So we'll be uh, here we'll, for you guys can trust us. Jill, we'll call out uh, each other if Take somebody in. picks somebody that they already did. I have them written down in front of me. But uh, so once you pick a golfer, can't use them again, and they go head to head. So Jill's first pick is going head to head versus my first pick. Whoever wins gets a point. If it's a tie, you get half a point. If you miss the cut, you get no points. So. We're going through five matchups total, and uh, loser does a beer chug. So I think we, what are we? One, 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 one and one, one sounds each. right. I yeah, you won. You won the Masters. We tied for the U.S. Open, and then I absolutely dominated the PGA Championship. So, well, well given that uh, I, I given that nothing. I drafted Figala <laughs> and he didn't even play. Yeah, not uh, he is. Hey, he's playing in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll you take should. him. We'll see. I, w- I would have loved to take him here, but yep. can't as a previously <laughs> drafted player. Yes. Yep. All right, Joe, it is that time. I had the first pick in the Masters and the PGA Championship, so you have first pick for the Open Championship. So who is your first golfer? I'm going to go the with the Englishman, previous, uh, pre- or won the last uh, major championship, and that's going to be Matt Fitzpatrick. Number one overall. Nice. That uh, was somebody I was hoping to grab. So that uh, was a great pick by you. Like that. All right. I am going to. I'm going to go with Patrick Cantley. I like Patrick quite a bit this week as well. Played pretty solid last week. Uh, at the Scottish Open, so I'm going to match him up against Matthew Fitzpatrick, and that puts me back Snakey on snake. the clock. Slithering so, snake. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm going to go with somebody else that is used to playing in these conditions and somebody that has kind of had an up-and-down season, did halfway decent last week, uh, Made the cut. I think he finished at even last week at Scottish Open. And I'm going to go with Terrell Damn Hatton. it! That was one of my guys I was definitely focusing on. So I now have to pivot off of uh, Terrell Hatton then. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you do. the best. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let me pivot over to who was my number two guy uh, behind Matt Fitzpatrick. And I'm going to go uh, big time Timmy Tom, Tommy Fleetwood here. Uh, go go with another okay. Englishman here. Staying staying on uh, that side of the pond. Tommy Fleetwood. Love his hair. Love uh, how love how it may be uh, 
love the mane, the mane. that blowing in the wind just the the potential for that as a as a tv viewer is is extremely uh extremely uh could potentially be satisfying so tommy fleetwood my third round like pick it. here uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna stay over on that side of the pond I'm going to get a little little Justin Rose action going on. A little, little J Rose uh okay. sticking with the uh sticking with the old the old Englishman. All right. Um I'm going to go with somebody that you touched on that's got a little bit higher odds but has been playing fairly well, played well last week and that's Burns, Sam Burns. Dude. I think uh Sam Burns should be a uh, Pretty solid play this week. I like his uh, matchup against Justin Rose in this one. And uh, that means I'm back on the clock here. Man. It's not crunching time. (laughs) Well, I know my last pick. I'm going with somebody you already picked, so that's not – I'm trying to decide who I want. Plenty of guys out there. I've got my next two picks lined out, so – I'm I'm ready to rumble here, unless you pick one of them, and I'm gonna be all sorts of pissy. But ah <laughs> oh, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on my last week's guy and hope that Will Zalatoris has a better turnaround here. So he's been playing pretty solid. He's got the extra rest from not playing last weekend. So I. I'm going to take a chance with him this week at uh, at St. Andrews again. So I'll double double down on Big I Willie. like it. Zal is, is <laughs> I mean, that guy's due for uh, insane that he's never won a tournament. I just, I, I can't believe it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's I'm going to stick with that side of the pond again. I'm going to go <laughs> with the Swedish, the Sweden that won this in 2016. Good old Henrik Stenson. Yeah, big daddy. Nice. And I'll finish it off with uh, somewhat reluctantly, but you know who it's going to be. <laughs> you have to. Ramalama Ding Dong. Yeah. My, my pick last, my pick last week Ding as Dong. well, who uh, who shit himself. So we'll see if he can get it together. I I, I mean, he's he's got to break out at some point. And... Staying again, staying on that side of the pond, given that he's from Spain. So I went, I went 100% euros uh, with with my. I see that three three Englishmen, a Sweden, <laughs> Not a bad strategy. A Swedish uh, Swedish men, and, and Spaniard, a Spaniard. <laughs> so let's go. All right, my last one matching up against John Rahm is going to be somebody that is from Lowry. that side of the pond as well. Damn it. Shane Lowry, you got it. So I know he would have definitely been somebody that you would have picked had you not picked him for the Masters, but uh knew I could put him at number five since you couldn't take him. See, so he uh, is somebody I'm actually – he probably would have been my second pick off of the board behind Matthew Fitzpatrick if – I knew you hadn't already taken. What I'm most pissed about is like I went into our pick'em saying for the British Open, I'm gonna go all Euros. Yet in previous tournaments, I took Rory, Lowry, and Hovland. I could have. 
Well, Hovland, I wouldn't have cared before, but Rory is one that I, I could have ran out there. I mean, in theory, Rom, Fitzpatrick, Rory, Lowry, Hovland. That's that's sweet. Although I'll t- I'll take Tommy Fleetwood. I'm 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 good with that. He's been playing pretty well, but still, I wanted to go all Euros, and I did. Just just had to make a few consolations with <laughs> with the Rose and Stenson. <laughs> Yes. So I'll just recap this. We've got uh, Jell's got Matthew Fitzpatrick. I've got uh, Patrick Cantley facing him. Jell's got Tommy Fleetwood. I have Terrell Hatton. Jell's got Justin Rose. I've got Sam Burns. Jell's got Henrik Stenson versus Will Zalatoris and John Rahm versus Shane Lowry. So we'll uh, see how this plays out. One of us will be doing at a least, beer chug live on a Monday next week. At least one of us. Yeah, at least one of us. If it's Spend a tie, it then we both social. do it. So, yeah. So make sure you tune in on Monday, our live feed. Subscribe and click the Ding. bell on YouTube, and you can uh, see us chug a beer. Otherwise, we can be found at Dead Arm Sports. Twitter, Instagram, check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. If you want to follow Gel, he can be found at Das Gel. I can be found at Das JPEG. Send us in any questions. We'll hit you back with an answer. Or else, if we like the question a lot and want more discussion on it, we'll bring it up on our next podcast. Again, on YouTube Live, you can ask us any questions. We have the chat wide open for you to ask away. And no question's a dumb question. We like any and all questions. Yeah, Send I don't know if my uh, high school teachers agree with that mailbag action. No question is a dumb question. But <laughs> hey, but this that's is how, how we roll. We roll. <laughs> Florida Georgia Line, hashtag not a sponsor. No copyright <laughs> infringement. But could be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But uh, oh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. First Jell, off, where can they find us at? Henrik Stenson's middle name is Olaf. That's let's go. I feel so much better about that pick now. Let's go. Does he turn into a <laughs> snowman? <laughs> Hit us up on our presenting sponsor, Anchor, available on the web and also. Uh, via via the Apple App Store or your Google Play Store, whatever your phone's platform is, uh, whether you're an Android or Apple user. They allow us to do all of our presenting, editing, and uh, publishing to you guys for free. We all, we're able to publish this, again, for free on Apple Podcasts. For free! <laughs> for free! Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Pods. Make sure to hit up our YouTube channel. Just search Dead Arm Sports in that search bar. Our channel should be the first thing that pops up. Hit subscribe. Make sure you hit that bell to get our alerts. Ding. And uh, you'll be able to see everything. Make sure, again, subscribe, rate, review, whatever your chosen listening platform is. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. uh, Just searching Dead Arm Sports. Hit us up in the DMs. Any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, Also, additionally, need to make sure spread the word via mouth. That's the easiest way for to, to spread to spread our show is is via word of mouth. Tell your friends, coworkers, parents, children, uh, pets, plants, and uh, you know friends, enemies, people running down the street. Uh, if there's any sort of holiday coming up, uh, you know in, in Milwaukee, if you're visiting the Summerfest grounds, we're gonna have a ton. There's a ton of festivals still to go, so make sure you're just screaming "Dead Arm Sports" at the festivals, and I'm sure that uh, security will. I'm sure. I'm sure security will love it. <laughs> yes everybody's got a mouth oh. Joe. 
right. I appreciate everybody out there listening to the podcast. And uh, again, like Jell said, help spread the word, gets us our, our name out there. We can get you more content and help grow our podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, we'll be back on Monday to recap uh, the Open Championship and jump into the NFC South. So we'll uh, talk some more Sam Darnold <laughs> and Baker Mayfield. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, this is a out. direct quote from the Open Championships or the Open Champion Champions Dinner. <laughs> Let me now yeah, swish. Nailed it. Uh, this is going straight <laughs> to Greg Norman. No soup for you. 